Oh, wrong one. to the beers and steers podcast it is week six and it is starting to get a little colder outside football season is unfortunately half over after this upcoming weekend but we got a lot to talk about and the hate is flowing through us the beer and wax cups will be flowing through us soon as well as the, the mustard corn, and the corn dogs and the corn dogs and the fried oreos and the homemade french fries and all the other good stuff but first, John, we got to talk about a few things. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, thank you for asking. You're uh, welcome. You're, a little you're, tired. A little your tired humble things. abode was wonderful this weekend. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, great time this weekend. Shout out, I guess, for jumping to that already. The, yeah. Uh, Maddox Lamb and Chris Winters, awesome wedding. Yes. Really enjoyed. Yes. Great crowd. Uh, great atmosphere. <laughs> uh, we had a blast. I hope that uh, Greece is treating you guys all right. I hope you guys are listening from afar. Shout out to the circle that uh, sat in the, the card room for a little timeout. It was a round table. Round table, excuse me. Um, if you was... happen to listen to this podcast and you're at this round table, text us because that was uh, that'd be an upset. I'm going to go with Charlie Fitzpatrick. Oh, good. I like that. Um, yeah, great, great, wedding, times, great weddings past weekend. Um, sorry, Maddox, if we were looking at our phones a little bit, we were just trying to do our, uh, due diligence as part of the podcast host and try to kept, catch a couple plays of, uh, the horns game. Shout out to Patrick Gould and shout out Doug Pattinson for, uh, putting the, putting the phones up and putting the team on their back and having about 20 dudes just staring at a, at a table, random table in the corner. Um, all right, John, beer of the week. Yeah, beer of the week. We're gonna take it out of the DFW area since we'll all be up there this weekend. Already did a Dallas beer this year, so we're gonna jump over to the west side of DFW, Fort Worth. Um, FWD. We're gonna go um, with Pilot Acre Brewery, which, if you're a loyal listener, you know that they're our first and only sponsor in 2019 or 2018. I can't remember. Stewart got all the beer and all the gear, 18. so if you want it, then text him for it. I don't. Have any beer uh, but then go with the. Texas Blonde, which is their most popular beer that you probably see on shelves everywhere. Um, so yeah, Wild Acre Brewery. Hopefully, there, we'll get- there was a few places at the fair last year I found it too. Like yeah, some I'm of those. Not, I'm not really looking for craft beers while I'm at the uh, the fair. Yeah, it's more of a quantity game. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking for a slightly chilled Miller Light. But, but you not- know, yeah. But if you, well, <laughs> chilled is a that's a strong word. Yeah. Okay. Maybe cooled. <laughs> slightly, slightly cooled. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Even know if cooled is the right term. Like, I, I it's think clearly been wheeled from out that outside the fairgrounds, put on a golf cart, dropped four it, times. It was on ice at some point. You know, yeah. we don't know when. You know, thirty minutes ago, five minutes ago, some point. We're already jumping into the fair. Let's not do that. Yet. I know. Yeah, we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves. All right, getting a little chilly outside. We'll get into it. But first, let's talk about West Virginia game. John and I had the. Uh, pleasure of watching a little bit together and being able to talk about it for a little bit. Um, 
starting starting off the game was so frustrating and scary. That first drive and ending in that sack, we're all just sitting there like mother effing, just yeah, mother effing card, mother effing the O line, mother effing Sarks, just blah blah blah. And then we quickly got shut up. Um, that was that was pretty damn good offensive d- display uh, by the Horns, especially just mixing it all up the the double pass, the everything. We'll get into the individual play, but I mean, just starting off going touchdown, 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 pretty – wait, did I say four? Touchdown, 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 excuse me. You said me. three, but you, I know what you meant. Yeah, four touchdowns in a row, four out of five um, drives to start the game. I'll I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, taking a step back, though, even just crowd, atmosphere, crowd and atmosphere, it, when watching the replay, um, was a great crowd again. Mm-hmm. Night game, everyone showed up. You know, I don't know what it is this year, if it's – general excitement of getting back to the stadium or maybe if it's uh quinn that that riled up more people to go to the games even though he's not playing i don't know it's been weird we had three really big crowds obviously the bama game is uh gonna be big but utsa and and an unranked really unknown west virginia team uh drawing a hundred thousand plus so yeah great crowd again and um God, like you said, what, what a great way to respond once we were all freaking out and like, oh, boy, we're going to have a long night, but just really just never looked back and, and took control of the game and, and really made it so that it was out of hand by the start of the third quarter. Yeah, and we'll get into the defense in a little bit, but um, I think they had a, honestly had a bigger bigger role in that than uh, – than, yeah, the offense obviously scored four touchdowns, but – there's a little trickeration. There's a little kind of this and that, a little bit of mustard and ketchup, if you will. But the defense was very, very steady play to start off as well. Um, no relish. No relish, though. Oh, I'm a relish guy. Uh, individually, man, I think – I know Worthy put up some freaking numbers, but I, why do I feel like JT Sanders played, like, the best out of, on, of the offensive players? He was well, all over the yeah. place. Xavier is like the, like the flashy. He gets all the credit for the long, deep balls, right? But JT is kind of like – He's the one who always gets touches in the first possession. He's the one who gets the clutch first downs. I would agree. Sanders continues to impress and then be a pivotal part of this offense that, frankly, I think we all thought Whittington was going to be this year. Yep, um, yep. But Sanders has really stepped into that role. And and the way the offensive scheme has is, is put him in a position to be successful and he's actually done that is it's definitely very promising. Yeah, and his blocking has been great too. There was a couple of edge plays. I think it was – Yeah, no one that. cares about that. Hey, whoa. Whittington's big run. He had a bunch. He had a good block on the edge. I think with uh, Helm. I think maybe it was Gunner. I couldn't tell. But yeah, he had a great day. Going. You mentioned Xavier as well. Um, Shout out with a touchdown pass as well to for Xavier. But uh, yeah, Whittington. If we can't complete it to him, let him throw it. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Um, Whittington also another good get. I mean, only three catches, but sixty yards. Let's take that. He's so due for a touchdown. I feel bad, but. He'll get one. He'll get one soon. Uh, moving to the, I think, the second best unit of the day. I thought the O-line played pretty damn well. They kept Card off the ground a good bit other than that first drive. Um, man, they're really coming together as a, like, pass-blocking unit. Banks got bitched on – not even bitched. He just fell for a fake – for a stunt um, on that first sack. But other than that, they really pass-blocked – pretty damn well only two sacks uh on the day for them and i think one of those might have been in the fourth quarter um as well as only f- five tackles for loss it's not great but not terrible i'll take that um something 
I, I noticed on the uh, for the offensive line, they picked up a lot of easy money downs, easy short yardage money downs. And by money downs, I mean third and, you know, less than five or whatever we were running the ball. Uh, they picked up at least four or five there. And that's, that's huge. That's something that you can lean on. It's kind of, you know, a la the Ellinger power play, except you can mix it up a little bit when your O-line's playing well, not just one player. Um, so I, I, I'm really liking where this unit's going. I had medium hopes for this, for these guys, and they're exceeding it. Yeah, no, I think uh, the one of the questions that Sark received in his Monday, Monday presser was the leadership of uh, majors and, and what, how that has kind of blossomed throughout the first four or five games. Um, I think you can truly see that. Um, the only – I mean, I think they definitely have morphed their protection scheme um, to allow – or I guess to adjust to, to the scrubbiness of Hudson. You know, I think at first in that UTSA game, it was still very much – you know, felt like they were protecting as if Quinn was back there and then Tech a little bit of the same. But now it's like they're protecting and then Hudson's able to release and get out and go make plays, um, which uh, is very – I don't know, comforting on that end. But my only concern with the offensive line is that they continue to have those kind of dumb outside the uh, hashes penalties. Mm-hmm. They had like two, I want to say in this game, they had one in Tech or UTSA, I can't remember, but just like really unnecessary blocks out. Um, they're usually Christian Jones. I don't know why it continues to be him, but um, we can't afford those in the OU game. You know, like any any sort of big play that negates a gain is is such a momentum swing in this game. So, I'm hoping to see them clean that up, but you're right. They've they've all gelled really well, and for how youthful they were, how concerned we were about them, I think it's been a big improvement, but there's just the little things they need to clean up at this point. Yep, definitely. And going back to majors, he is the first guy to get in a defender's face when it feels like it might be a cheap hit, late hit, you know, not getting off a guy. He's the first one, and I love that. We haven't seen a guy like that. Oof, I don't know how long. Jack. Yeah, probably. Um, Shout out to OU game. Uh, going to card, you mentioned card. I, the stat line is good 21 and 27, three touchdowns, 300 yards. But for some reason, he just makes pick. he should have thrown a pick. We he got lucky on that one. First lucky break we've had in probably a year, but yeah, seriously, I, it's just like the little stuff. He just can't, he makes it look it's the easy little stuff that he makes look so bad. Yeah. It really frustrates people. I the think. one, to, the one to Sanders was hundred percent on card. The one to Roshan, honestly, oh. Roshan, like it's like he had center blocks on his feet. No, I'm going to put that on card too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but, make a, make a play. But then like, there was like that one play where he double clutched to Whittington. I don't know if he thought he was running a different route or whatever. And he moves up in the pocket and throws on a dime to the you know far left side. Like that play, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, who is that playing quarterback? Good night. Looks like Mahomes. Well, those are when he's had his feet set. And he's not running outside the pocket. Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know what it it's is when he gets but... outside the pocket, man. He 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 never sets his feet and he tries to get like MVP style and throw. But then there's some open. But the they're playing man or they're you know whatever, and he's got daylight to run and he doesn't. He tries to keep looking downfield. Now that I think is more Sark saying like you're keeping your eyes downfield, like when the play breaks down, like there are opportunities. I think it's a little bit different there, but fuck it, dude, just tuck it and run. I don't know. He, he was limping a little bit towards the second quarter. I wouldn't be surprised if he got something shot up his ass. 
in the halftime and, you know, got back out there and maybe that had something to do with it. I, it's just you know, frustrating to watch. I truly believe with Hudson, if he were to play the whole rest of the season, he would actually be a pretty decent quarterback mm-hmm. by the end of the season. Oh, yeah. But yeah he won't. He won't. And he, he'll always be the guy who comes in in garbage time or he gets four games in a situation like we just went through, uh, which is unfortunate for him because that's never going to develop somebody. Um, yeah. But I think, frankly, if if he doesn't play any more this season, which we all, I think, hope is the case, but maybe he plays one or two more games, um, maybe he moves on after this year and goes to like a – Oh, he's gone. Yeah. He's like, gone. A, like a Tulsa or UTEP or a yeah. SMU, and he has a lot of success. No, definitely. He's got the athleticism to do it, but sometimes the game at this – I don't want to say like this conference, but at, at this level the NCAA is moving too fast for him, and he's just not going to lead a team to eight to nine to ten wins. He's just a middle-of-the-pack guy. So, I mean, Sark is doing everything he can to uh, just make him look competitive out there, but not letting him throw more than 30 passes in all three games is a huge sign to me that it's just like, all right, let's keep this kid at – uh, you know, little chances as possible to screw screw up the game. Yeah, no, I mean, Shane Michelle's on the, you know, Kansas City Chiefs practice roster. Like, it, it's not crazy, yeah, that he goes somewhere and actually excels. And it sucks. Like, I think Michelle's the easy comp because of recency, but it, it really is the perfect, you know, comparison. Um, recency? Recency bias, yeah. Okay. I mean, he was our last quarterback that – got demoted no i understood the word recency yeah recency bias um okay. anything else on the offense i don't know yeah Ro- um, Rajon should you know a everyone was saying hey Bijan with 100 yards honestly it's like they got to 100 yards in the garbage time so <laughs> um i, I agree did. their d-line was underrated i mean whoa i said that all of the lost podcast and you said i was over overhyping that i did not say that i said that yes, you did you said I, you i okay I'm going to go listen to it after this. You said – I said Dante Stills is one of the most veteran uh, D linemen in the Big 12, I believe. I think you said something along the lines of you're getting more credit than they deserve. I'm going to go find it. We're going to put I, it into this look at the look at the Look at the note. Scroll up. D line is probably strength of the defense when, with Stills still there. All right, moving on. Um, Thank you, Stuart, for being so correct. The Yeah, Bijan, I mean, he – he held on the ball, which was nice. That's it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. There was some of the runs in the uh, first quarter that, or I mean, clean. he just kind of did what he needed to do in the game. But I mean, he got 100 yards. He needs more. <laughs> I want more. You want more touches? I want. I want more touches. I want. I want more. Give him. He's at 21. Give him 25 plus. Uh, you know what he? I want more of. I want more catches. Yeah, that has seemed that seems to be pretty successful. He had two catches, one one for twenty four, one for one for ten. I think that's good, right? Yes. Okay. Thanks. Um, same with Keelan. Keelan runs hard, dude. Do you I think know. by chance we were hiding anything with Keelan the first half of the season? Like, I mean, my God, the guy is he's he's so athletic. It's like let him let him play. Um, that's a good I'm hoping, question. I'm hoping that Sark was doing that. I don't um, know. I mean, that's Maybe. a long time, but obviously UTEP, you don't show that much. Tech, hopefully – I'm sorry, UTSA. Uh, I, I don't think he's hiding anything. I mean, he might have a few specific plays that he's hiding, but, like, overall usage, no. Yeah. Um, all right, okay, go to so the – what? Offense, I mean, we, we, we they came out, they did what they needed to do in the first half, and, and I don't 
I don't really look at the second half too much. I mean, the yeah, they, they only had four possessions of which one was in the you know end of game, which you know that was good, four and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't. I mean, I yeah, really you really had three. Play. I mean, yes, you end the game with a four minute drive, but then yeah, you but you scored ten points on three drives, like okay. yeah, it's not it was a very like uneventful, but. There's like so little possessions in the second half. <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird to look at, but I mean, they had two drives over that were one was seven and a half minutes, one was almost six. Like, I mean, that's a yeah. that's a quarter. So yeah, but I'm happy offense stayed healthy. Yes, uh, overall, happy that everybody they, they continue to put points on the board. You know, I mean, yeah. I I was very down on them going into the game, so I will take that. I'll wear that one. Um, but. Uh, now it's a new new animal. Got to go do it in a, in a hostile environment. We'll get to that. All right, let's go to the other side of the ball, defense. I mentioned this earlier. Start, I think they started even hotter than the offense. First five drives for the defense held West Virginia to 75 yards on 26 plays. That's three yards of a play with four punt, punts, with four punts and one turnover on downs. That is awesome. Yeah, yes, West Virginia had some bad drops. Yeah. But Cook – Deshaun Watts, all forced good pass breakups. Man, that was that was physical D back play, and I loved watching it. That play, yeah, they, that that tackle that Cook had on the big tight end to make him drop that first down was awesome. Yeah, no, Cook Cook has found himself a little bit of a I'm trying to find a guy who think, was a hard hitting safety we had recently, like a Vaquero. Recently, yeah, Vaquero, Quandre. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of coming to his own. And it's like, wow, maybe moving him to safety was the right call. Everyone was bashing that but move. But he, no one's been as big as him, though. I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. So he's, he's making some money for himself. That's ridiculous. I, I think we were definitely beneficiaries of a few bad passes by JT and a few mm-hmm. drops that definitely helped us out. So, but, you know, that's part of the game. So, uh, agreed. They, they kind of came out and made a statement early on and, and kind of similar to what I said about the offense. I don't really look into the i mean the second half it's kind of hard to convince your defense to do exactly what they did in the first half um but i mean i, I would like a turnover that's that's something that is concerning <laughs> i think that's what everyone turnover. wants yeah it's crazy that it's not even like a fump like a crazy like you know like i don't know like fumble you know something pops out on something with this how hard they're hitting too and you just don't jump on it i guess tech there was two but Whatever, yeah. I mean, Jaron's hitting just as hard as anybody out there as well. So it, it'll come. I'm, I'm not. It's, it sucks the like bend don't break, but I think it's better. I think it suits this defense pretty damn well because the D line's been playing well. They played great um, on Saturday again. They were uh, JT Daniels like it, the only plays that he really made was when he like stepped up in the pocket, it was collapsing on him and made like an unbelievable throw to the far side or whatever. Um, Sorrel, Ojimo, having Ojimo back was huge. Um, saw good stuff from Tavondre and Keandre. I mean, it, it was all over the place again. It felt like, you know, the tech game was just a complete misnomer. Yeah. Ojimo definitely, I think made a big difference, uh, provided the death we needed. And then you started to see guys like justice Finkley come in, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Govinda played. I mean, it was it was all sorts of, of new names out there. And fresh, yeah, some fresh names. I mean, it. Um, all in all, I mean, it was. I mean, how was it? Twenty points again. Was yeah. what? 
20, uh, 20, we held them to 20 points again. That seems to be our magic number this year. Yeah, but, no. Um, again, they got to find a way to force a turnover, and I'd like to place a over-under bet on how many times OU goes for it on fourth down because <laughs> we can't we can't stop people on fourth down, unfortunately. So, um, Yeah, I, I think seeing Finkley play and Dorba is obviously great, but I think it kind of lends to, you know, OV not playing as well as people thought. Um, or, you know, whatever, being that edge. I still worry about our edge and giving up, you know, long runs, outside zones, whatever. I think that we're pretty susceptible to that, especially if you're running away from DeMarvion. Um, that's the one kind of concern I have. But this game, they didn't really show it. Going to the linebackers, they were all over the place. Great in run coverage, but still some problems in zone pass coverage, especially over the middle. They were getting moved around, you know, just with some uh, motions and uh, whatever, you know, at the snap of the ball type stuff. I, I don't know. Like, DTD gets so lost in coverage, but I understand it's hard to disguise a coverage and a blitz with him and DeMarvion and Jalen on the field. Like, yeah, you, ideally you blitz one and get pressure, but that – doesn't always happen and when we brought five or six when we brought five or six you know two linebackers we were getting to him so it was working but then who are you dropping well demarvion you'd rather have him blitzing so maybe not him but dtd can't cover with ass jalen ford's kind of right there in the middle so like sure let's do him and he still can't cover it's it's not a coaching thing i think it's more of a, a mental aptitude thing it'll get better as the season goes on but that's the kind of soft spot in the defense i'm and pass coverage i'm worried about I had a brain fart. I said Govinda earlier. I'm going to say, I guess you correct me and said Dorba. But Baron Sorrell is who I was thinking of, who had a surprisingly mm. really good game. Yep, he had a good game too. Uh, any linebacker thoughts? I mean, if we can get out of this game with Overshawn not uh, targeting, because there was a target, <laughs> there, was a, there was a play that I thought he was going to get targeting again. That roughing the passer was absolutely terrible. Was that on Tavondre or Baron? I can't remember. Um, I don't know, but there was a play that kind of went out to the outside hashes and the running back was kind of falling down. And then all of a sudden, DeMarvin just threw his whole body into it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Here I mean, we go again. I guarantee they told him at halftime, like, you are not doing this again. Like, we yeah, can't please, afford. Please, please, please tell uh, Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. It felt all, all, all in overall felt good to win. Um, you could feel that the team – feel and see the team felt the same. They were excited. They were happy. And the – Going back to what you said, the crowd helps that. Get back on the same page. Trust you're able to compete with anybody in this league and, you know, try to keep this ball rolling. I don't know. I, I was pleased with what I watched, especially on the replay. Quickly, special teams. I mean, Bert Auburn continues to impress with these 40-yard-plus field goals. Um, Sideshow Bert. Legends are made in this game in the Cotton Bowl in terms of our kickers. So, this is a big moment for him again. Uh, Trejo continues to be just very eh, but yeah. – you know, we were surviving. We need to go do a team trip to Australia and get a punter now. So, uh, on punt coverage, weird. We were not too far away from a few on, and we weren't bringing everyone. I really wonder if we try to dial one up again with Keelan like we did, um, week one. Did we do I'm dreaming that we block, but like it still went through a PAT? I think you're dreaming. I don't know if I was watching something else. I think, I think we did, but it still went through. But it did we matter. block it? Like it, it tipped. I blocked isn't the right term, but yeah, you know what I mean. 
But yeah, no, they they continue to get close on the punt blocks, but uh, all in all, I would say special teams play has, in general, been very clean this year, which yep. is which is good. I mean, there was a missed field goal in the beginning of the year. They've cleaned that up. There's punting, which has been up and down, but you know, kickoff returns and kickoff coverage, like a little bit less on the coverage side, but very little penalties, which has always been something that we've done a lot over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Is take the ball out for no reason and then get a 15 yard penalty and start on your 10 yard line. So um, continue to, to be clean on special teams and it's going to have an impact throughout the season. Definitely. All right. We're going to take a little break right now. Not You're not going to hear a break, but we're going to take a pause and let our special guest um, get on and we'll be back on with him. All right. We are back with our special guest of the week. We beers and steers would be so excited to announce that Mr. Robert Larkin is joining us this week. Uh, Bobby Lark, how you doing? Dude, fantastic. It's uh, Christmas in October, so what you said, the best uh, best weekend of the year, in my opinion. If I wasn't getting married this year, it would. I feel like I have to say it's the second best weekend of the year, but I think uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that as it may. It's second, <laughs> second best week of the year this year. I would agree with Larkin, though. It is truly – it's like everything's – weather's changing. Getting football, a little cold. Football season's kind of trying to take its true character at this point. You start to see who's good who's not good. Um, corn dogs are getting fried. So, it's it's definitely the best weekend of the year. For those who uh, don't know Larkin, he was uh, a couple grades below us at the five game at Delta House. He currently sends out a weekly newsletter um, to probably about, what, 100 people right now? Yeah, that's um, right kind of diving a little bit what we you know similar vein of beers and steers going through the prior week and looking ahead but in much more articulate and uh, well thought out and written um form like the true attorney that he is so uh larkin you know let's go into a little bit of what you were kind of expecting going into this year what you've written about and where we're where the horns are kind of hitting and missing what you've seen so far yeah sure thing i mean uh heading into this season i think there were a lot of question marks surrounding what to expect in Steve Sarkeesian's second year. Um, the first one left a lot to be desired, both in terms of team unity and team results. Uh, that said, I had the horns going about eight and four, seven and five this year. And so far that that record prediction looks like it could <laughs> bear to fruition. But um, I think, at the end of the day, this is a results driven business and I don't think anyone is happy with three and two and uh, that be that what it may, I think there's a lot to like about what you're seeing right now with uh, in terms of, of in terms of uh, improvement. I think that, you know, you've seen the defense take a step forward, particularly in run defense. Um, and then on offense, you're especially when Quinn years is playing, you can see a lot of the, a good spark with this team and finally getting, you know, starting to see it hit its ceiling. I think, you know, even when Hudson card has been playing, certainly there's been some mixed results there, but I think this offense is trying, is starting to find its uh, confidence again with Hudson at the helm. And, you know, now that Quinn is back, we'll see what Sarkeesian plans to do on that front, uh, especially this week with um, Quinn battling that shoulder injury. But I think there's a lot to like, and, you know, granted, you know, three and two is three and two. And I think moral, losses like against Alabama. I think when you count those as victories, that's that's what a losing program does. But 
I think that effort showed a lot of fight for this Texas team. And I think Steve uh, Sarkeesian probably has this thing heading into the right direction in year two. Isn't it, I mean, truly amazing how different everyone would feel if, if we just found a way to win that tech game. It's like everyone has this kind of weird optimism right now because you beat West Virginia, but you still have that negative kind of black cloud in the back of your mind. Okay. We still haven't been able to prove ourselves on the road yet. Um, which is everyone is happy. Yeah, Quinn will come back, and whether it's this week, next week, or the following week, who knows? Well, I guess we'll find out Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, but it's just, it's like everyone is, is so hopeful for for results, and when we haven't truly seen them, except for in a, in a loss this year, which is which is weird. Um, I, I think that ultimately, uh, it's funny that you said seven and five, student. Did, did we both say seven we both and five said as well? Seven and five. Yep. Jeez, it's it's kind of like our our fan base is almost used to that, or we're numb to to just being almost a 500 club. But man, we we this team has shown so much potential and, and opportunity for growth with Quinn at the behind the I mean, I mean playing um, quarterback. So I just I mean I'm hoping that this week can can be a turning point. I guess yet again for for this season. But I agree, Larkin. It's a it's just a weird, weird feeling right now with with winning or being three and two, but knowing that it, it could be so much better. I think a big part of that, too, going into the expectations is losing the Bama by one. You know, if you get blown out in that game like everyone thought it would, let's say Bama covers, but Quinn plays OK, not as good as he did. And then you lose to Tech. Then how does this fan base, you know, feel? I, I don't think we feel as as dejected or as, you know, missed out on the opportunity, but it's we didn't, we competed, we played really well, defense stepped up. And then all of a sudden these, this fan expectation just goes through the roof and I'm not complaining or, you know, making light of anything, but it's just the most Texas thing of all time to have one point away from winning or whatever that, you know, one play away. And, but three semi reasonable, you know, fans that, us talking you know if we followed it pretty closely we all said seven and five but if you would have showed us that effort before the season i think every one of us would have said you know no less than nine and three or something like that so i i don't know it's just funny more observational i guess than anything um well, we, we we all three of us during our 10 years which obviously Stu and i mean the same tenure but we all saw some really really bad texas football like really just dumb <laughs> bonehead plays um so the fact that we are playing competitively at a high level and have shown that we can do that is 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 nice but like you said larkin it, you know you don't celebrate losses if you're if you're texas that's just not what we do so it's uh it's just been a weird front front half of this season yeah absolutely and i think the biggest step for a program is really trying to learn how to win i think the first step is you know, taking your losses and then second is learning how to win and then you win big, right? That's the old coaches saying in the adage. And I think Sarkeesian's group right now is still trying to figure out the winning aspect of it. But to be sure, it's a great sign that the two losses have been, you know, both one possession games and by a combined four points. I mean, this team is dangerously close from being 5-0 and and being a top five team in the country, which is just that's wild. A, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. John and I were talking last week about how, you know, you, talk, you said winning the big one and Sarkeesian's really only won 
I know John loves how much I bring up Vegas and spreads and such, but Sarkeesian's really only won one game outright when he was a dog, not covered, but won outright. And that was against TCU last year. And I think the line was like one, two, maybe at the most. So, you know, yes, that was outright win as a dog, but barely. So, yeah, winning the big one and learning how to win. That's definitely something this team doesn't know how to do. And I don't know, maybe the other issue is, you say building up and learning how to win the big one. I, I, I just I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but how many big tests does Texas have in the next year? If especially if we're not playing the SEC next year, I don't know. Yeah, and you and you could argue everyone circled this game heading into OU week as everyone should. But I was just talking to someone earlier today that this game against Oklahoma, and I don't want to get too far ahead of my skis, but arguably is the easiest test over the next couple of weeks. I mean, yeah. Iowa, Iowa State is, you know, may, may be a worse team than OU, but the, uh, the other teams on Texas's schedule over the next couple of weeks are, you know, they're dangerously competitive. And, um, and I never would have predicted that heading into 2022, but here we are midway through the season and that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I mean, at Oklahoma State and at Kansas State and, if either of those games are at night, get they ready. will be. They get will ready. be. If that if that freaking Oklahoma State game is at night, oh I, my god, it will be without a doubt. They'll be undefeated. And <laughs> it will be if if we win this game and beat Iowa State, and it was just is Stillwater after Iowa State, correct? Yeah. So at that point, we'd be ranked. It will be a night game. It, it's just what ESPN does. Yeah, I know, and they have. At Kansas State, I mean, sorry, they have home against Tech and then at TCU. So, you know, their their odds of coming into this game und- into the Texas game undefeated aren't aren't terrible. You know, that TCU game's at two thirty, so that's the biggest test, I think. Um, but let's get back to the to the really important stuff, um, the stuff everyone wants to hear about and the weather changing. That before you do that, before you do that, Larkin. Larkin, surprise player that surprised you the most this year from our squad. Who is it? You know, that's a that's a great question because I feel like there's been a lot of guys that have stepped up and have honestly gone unnoticed by a lot of people, especially on the national scene. Um, you know, I'll give credit where this guy um, hasn't gotten a lot, but one guy that's really impressed me has been Keandre Coburn. Um, <laughs> Keandre Coburn entered the year with really just you know as a player that had not really met expectations, a highly prized recruit out of the Houston area. And, you know, he's done an excellent job in run support this year. He's been, you know, plugging gaps and really, you know, kind of embodies what people Kowski's looking for at a defensive tackle position. Now, I think he's disengaging blockers in a way better uh, fashion this year. And, you know, earlier today I saw pro pro football focus has him, slotted as a late first round pick um, whoa which which is insane to me but and I never would have guessed that entering the year I mean that's a that's an insane (laughs) projection and you know projections are you know those don't always come to fruition but that that is a you would never have convinced me about that about two months ago yeah no he's got the body to be successful in the NFL he just hasn't really shown it on the field unfortunately but yeah I think it's been a I was going to say mine has been JT Sanders, without a doubt. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just, just he's, he's proven – we kind of already talked about earlier in the podcast, but, man, he's 
he just has proven to be a huge uh, asset to the offense and then Sark's given plenty of opportunities to be successful. I'll go, uh, you know, near and dear to my heart and Christian Jones. I mean, I was motherfucking that guy all last year and he has played really well um, this season. And I think is according to PFF is our highest graded uh, O-lineman, which never would have guessed that, you know, along the same vein as um, Keandre. So yeah, no, it's, um, I guess there's always some good surprises come in. Yeah. good good or bad um all right honorable mention anthony cook but that's enough said enough said <laughs> okay let's get into it oh you preview getting mid-october chills they are three and two coming off an absolute ass kicking of fort worth this past weekend um to the helm of mr max duggan and the tcu offense i think they gave up three touchdowns over 60 yards um not great they to make it even worse, they lost the prior week at home um, to Kansas State to another running quarterback and Adrian Martinez and his 25-year-old, 26-year-old legs. It's just been an absolute kind of – the last two weeks probably couldn't have gotten worse uh, for OU. Probably the last worst two weeks in OU's football's had in probably what? I don't know, 15 years, 20 years? I- I've never seen them – this down, this dejected quarterback, uh, Dylan Gabriel, the transfer from UCF, got hurt on a very bad cheap shot um, in the TCU game. But I think the more scary thing was Venables coming in, first-year head coach, fixed the defense. You know, he'd done a great job at Clemson. OU probably wins the national championship or at least competes against Georgia. What was that in 2017 season? If they don't fire Venables and he goes to Clemson, it's just – it's an interesting dynamic coming in, and then the defense comes in, and it's just absolutely terrible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, giving up 360 yards rushing last week. Uh, yeah, two rushes over the over 65 yards. Um, one, two passes over 60 yards, touchdowns. I mean, Larkin, have you watched much of OU, and and especially in the past two weeks? Yeah, definitely over the last two weeks. I. Uh was in and out on the first couple games, but frankly, I've been, and I saw some of the Nebraska game, but frankly, I've been surprised to see how porous that defense is so far this year. It looks like I saw today the comparison, I think it was Scipio on a inside Texas, but it looks like a, like a late stage Todd Orlando team that is just Todd Orlando defense that is just playing the most odd schemes and really trying to outsmart. And then at the end of the day, they're just blitzing the wrong way, blitzing the wrong direction, blitzing the wrong guy. And then it, on the back half, you can't tackle. Um, you seem slow. You seem no communication. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, there were th- two plays I can think of off the top of my head the TCU had where, I mean, they had multiple receivers jumping in the air, waving trying to get Duggan's attention because they're both wide open and they both you know catch the ball and run in easily for a touchdown um going into the game in general first time since 1998 that both teams are not ranked or neither team is ranked um also eight straight games decided by touchdown or less not uh including the big 12 championship game in 2018 uh, last little kind of nugget, Mac, Charlie, and Thomas Herman all beat OU in their second year. So interesting um, kind of premonitions, I guess, from the second-year coach coming into this game. Um, you know, looks like Gabriel might give it a go. I don't know. With the two of stuff coming on, I'd be very surprised if he played. John, you think you might 
start out there at least. Let's see him warming up. I don't think they'll make an announcement just to keep us having a scheme for both. I don't know how much Oklahoma wants to try to make a statement and have what happened again to Tua, but I mean, I, I don't know. It's all, everything is weird with concussions. You know, it kind of, it just kind of depends on how the guy's feeling. So I think you'll, you'll see him out there warming up. I don't, I don't know if he'll play. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't um, really scare me if he plays. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried about him. I'm more worried about the running back. I read more about – I was reading more about him, watched some of his highlights against TCU. Like, he definitely had some really, really bad overthrows. But he also had a couple very good balls, like, deep down the middle. It was kind of like if it's a touch throw over the middle um, and he can put some air underneath it, he's on. But if he's got to, like, you know, drive a nail on a 10-yard out or whatever on the far side, like, no chance. It's a very interesting. He's got 11 touchdowns and no picks, so – We'll see. Uh, Davis Belleville was the backup. He went 7 of 16 against TCU with three sacks. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe a little general booty action, dual action. Um, He is not Caleb Williams, so please do not get scared. Yeah, going to the running back, Eric Gray, their latest stud uh, running back to come out of there, averaging uh, seven yards to carry with three touchdowns. He can definitely move. Larkin, I mean, he's probably not the running backs of late, but is he still kind of – living up to that potential and behind that, you know, Bill Biedemaw offensive line. Yeah, I think he looks a lot more comfortable this year. Um, last year, watching OU, I wasn't all that impressed by um, him. I think there was a lot of hype coming from Tennessee where he played really, really well. That's, uh, I mean, I think what's really helped him this year is playing in Jeff Levy's system. And having that, uh, you know, they like to go spread out their wide receivers, kind of like Art Riles did while he was at Baylor. Um, And that's just more conducive to finding vertical running lanes where he's a better runner that way, just, you know, getting north to south pretty quickly. And he's got some good agility and he can bust through the hole. And, you know, I think it helps that he's a good receiving running back too. So um, I've been impressed with him. Is he the best running back on UT's schedule remaining? Uh, Probably not, but. I'm definitely, I definitely think he's a weapon that has to be accounted for and definitely the player I'm most uh, afraid of on Saturday. Yeah. Or did he get hurt versus TCU? He did, but he came back. I be- No, he didn't come back, but he's, he's fine this week. Yeah, I'm reading he'll probably play. Um, offensive line-wise, this is definitely not the offensive line that OU is uh, used to trotting out there. They're giving up a decent amount of sacks and at really bad times. By really bad times, I mean third and manageable, third and long when obvious passing downs type stuff. They don't have a NFL, you know, for sure guy like they have had in the past, um, you know, with Creed or Lane or any of those guys. Um, looks like the right tackle is hurt too and not playing this week. Um, going to athletes, receivers, uh, Marvin Mims is the, you know, the bell cow kind of on the quick receivers. He is definitely not a CD, but he's still not bad at all. I think the guy that Texas really hasn't faced yet is our fate, you know, similar type of comp is uh Braden Willis or tight end. This guy is freaking huge and can move. I know UTSA had a big tight end. Um, yeah, he was just big, but couldn't really move. And Bama had, Lytow or whatever that dude's name was, who just coming off an injury, he was very good, but wasn't there. But he's this Braden Willis has got four touchdowns. They obviously target him in the red zone and over the middle, those easier throws for Gabriel. I, I am this is who I'm probably next worried about the most next to um, 
Eric Gray. Larkin, have you seen anything on this kid or Mims? Yeah, I think, you know, I think I always loved Mims coming out of high school. I thought he was a guy Texas uh, could have and should have landed coming out of high school. But, you know, all-time leading receiver coming out of the high school ranks in Texas high school football history. Just a really productive player that, you know, he, he's not the most explosive guy, but just finds a way to get open and can do some special things when the ball's in the air, as we saw last year when he had that insane catch in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, that was um, stupid. And uh, Wills, you know, I like Wills a lot. I think it's funny enough, he, he found a lot of his production um, against, the, uh, against Kansas State. He had a really big game against them. Um, and he was kind of quiet to start off the year. Uh, but whenever you have a guy that's that big and um, can run and, you know, do stuff after the catch, it's, it's certainly something to be concerned about. Like you said, Texas hasn't really shown that it can cover those sort of athletes like tight ends, especially um, so far this year. So I'll be curious to see what the defense does this week when uh, whether they cover him with the safety or, you know, Jalen Ford or even DeMarvin Overshown. I know they they like to use him underneath in the zone coverage sometimes, but um, we'll see. I mean, both those guys are definitely big play threats on, on Saturday. Yep. Definitely. I think, you know, despite the recent game outcomes, this offense is still good. I'm not going to get it great, but it's not too far away from great. If Gabriel's hurt, it's a little different, but they're able to run the ball officially and rely on some good, you know, experienced receivers. Yes. Drake Stoops is still there. This is be his last season, hopefully. Um, and as uh, Larkin said, Jeff Levy is a really good coordinator. I would not be surprised if he's a head coach and, you know, two years or something. The O-line giving up sacks is, is it the interesting kind of wrinkle that I, I'm very interested to see how PK kind of attacks that and what he wants to do. Um, hopefully Patterson has, you know, Patterson and PK are been scheming up some stuff the past week. Um, I'll be, be watching basically that backup right tackle a lot, essentially uh, going to the other side of the ball. Billy Bellman's their stud box safety looks he got hurt, but I think he's playing, right? Anybody see this? Yeah, he, he I'm I'm reading that he'll probably play. I mean, there's some definitely concerns, but I think if it's anywhere close to 50-50, they're gonna they're gonna trot him out there. Just the depth behind him is just not very good. So no. he's by far their best defender. Yes, I agree. Um Another, I, I didn't realize this, but Reggie Grimes, I hadn't heard of this guy's name, but he's got four sacks on the year already. Um, uh, kind of an outside linebacker, DN, whatever you want to say. So we'll see how they want to utilize him. Um, they've been able to get a decent amount of sacks just across the board, but I don't think they've played no line that's as good as ours. I don't think TCU's O line is as good as ours. They're giving up 5.4 um, yards of play, and a lot of that's running uh, you know against the run now granted they've played two pretty good running teams in the past two weeks so that numbers can be a little bit inflated and they've also played two running quarterbacks the past two weeks and how does you know do you larkin do you see anything sark kind of different with the running game going on uh you know what they're running defense and how we want to change that up at them yeah i think the biggest thing i kind of focused in on this week and I'm writing about this in my newsletter is, you know, they've lost so much production when it comes to their defensive line this year. And I think that's just, it's killed them. And the advanced statistics, you know, they suggest that 
they're just really just not doing a good job at stopping the run on really any down standard, yeah. you know, or third down or even a standard down. But um, I think for me, and this is maybe a broader point, I question for both of you. I think the thing that really resonated with me watching OU this year is I think there's my hypothesis for why they're you know, not playing as very well on defense. is kind of twofold. I think they lost a lot of really good players um, on defense, either through graduation, the portal, or the NFL draft. Uh, so that is always hard to, you know, get a bunch of, you know, younger guys ready and adjusted. But also I think the defense is kind of struggling because as you alluded to earlier, uh, Stu, it was like, it's Alex Grinch, the former defensive coordinator, really played a simplistic scheme um, when it came to run defense. And mm-hmm. he had a lot of defensive shifts on the on the D line and stuff like that. But that was really the only razzle dazzle he liked to do. Venables is a much more, you know, he's like Sarkeesian on the defensive side almost, where he's it's much more sophisticated play call. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious, I mean, my guess is for why they're struggling to stop the run is kind of like that. I mean, we saw that with Charlie Strong when he first got to Texas. Granted, it didn't really ever get any better, but um, those are kind of the two reasons I see them struggling and run defense so much. That's a solid point. I mean, you could argue it's over overcomplicated a, a system that was already, I mean, it was working just fine. But I think you definitely had a lot of attrition to the draft and the transfer portal as well. That did not help. Yep, definitely. Um, Lincoln taking some some guys with him offensively, obviously, and then losing, yeah, the defensive guys to the draft. All right, enough talking about That was about so weird. That was when Lincoln just like, I don't know where he said he was going. That was so weird. Man, I think, you know, he doesn't want to play in the SEC. He knows that they're going to the Big Ten, but he can recruit California and still play these Big Ten teams, still play Michigan, Ohio State. I don't know. He's – I don't think he's playing chess, but he's not playing checkers type situation. I don't, his style probably wasn't right for the SEC, but I, I don't know. It'll be an interesting – it's obviously looking great right now, but – Yeah, um, plus he gets to live in Los Angeles and not Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, too. A, Am I making that up? I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. Let's start some rumors <laughs> on that one. Because uh, fuck these guys. <laughs> okay, yeah, but speaking of fuck these guys, let's stop talking about OU, talk about game predictions in general. John, go ahead. Um, You know, you bring up solid points about Martinez and uh, Duggan being having very successful days on the ground, um, which puts only, only you know, more emphasis on the decision that's going to be made that everyone is focused on from media to – students to fans to players everyone wants to know who's going to play uh i i truly feel like we are a better i think everyone knows we're a better team with quinn on the on the field i just don't get the good feeling that he's going to play i just uh, i think this injury was worse than than anticipated and they're just kind of putting him out there on the field kind of uh weather the media um so i think hudson actually plays this game and and he's going to have to run the ball um, I think you need to force a few turnovers on defense for, you know, for once because uh, we will we will have a turnover on their side of the field that will get their crowd going just like it always does. Um, I will go on record and say their side of the stadium is much louder than ours. Um, but I do feel like we win this game. And I, I hate to say that because whenever I say that we lose, but I think we win this game 31 to 20, 20. Uh, that's our that's our number 
Here's yeah. the question with the running quarterback thing. Does the last, does the past two weeks OU's performance, does that change Sark's mind on who he starts? Uh, I think you have to, uh, not to quote Sark here, but I think you have to just play with what you have. Uh, we don't have a quarterback like that. So, um, I mean, neither, neither of those guys are going to do what Martinez and Duggan did. No. Right? No. So, you got to unfortunately ignore it and play with the assets that you have and play play whoever's most healthy. So um, I guess I'll let you guys go. Larkin, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so um, all the Neville nugget I digged up this week. I think I think this is right, but I was trying to find out the last time Texas was a uh, entered as a favorite in this game. Ooh. And to my best recollection and. Looking at the numbers, it looks like this is the first time Texas will be a favorite in this matchup since 2009, which is we, sounds about right. Were we not the favorite in 2020, even though they were, they had lost two games in a row? They they were still favored. I'm pretty sure they were still favored in that one. Okay. But the, I think that I was like a three point game. Yeah, I think it was close, but um, so not to you know throw out fake facts, but whatever. <laughs> I digress. Um, Anyway, I, I we throw I, out fake facts all the time. You're that is more than people that. don't know. It's all good. Just say it. <laughs> Only say Webb's it listening at this point. <laughs> say say uh, things with confidence, and people believe you. If you had one hour for your web bet, that you can catch that ticket. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I like John's analysis on this game. I I mean, I agree with him for the most part. I think the weird thing for this game for me is that I take a look at the matchups across the board and. I really just don't see an area that I feel where OU has the edge at. And that's not even trying to be, I'm, I'm not trying to be a homer by any means. Um, but that's just the way I see it. I think the quarterback matchup, whether regardless of Hudson card or um, Quinn Ewers plays, I think either player is better than uh, Dylan Gabriel, honestly. Um, I'm not, I'm pretty skeptical of Gabriel's talent uh, generally, but uh, and then I think OU's run defense just presents huge issues for them. It's it's not going to be pretty. I mean, we saw the – I mean, their run defense last year was 10 times better than it was this year, and they still had trouble containing B. John Robinson um, in that game. And mm-hmm. I think the only thing I possibly see being a concern is, you know, the, this game is all about momentum shifts. It's It always is. It's who who can ride the wave and hold on the longest. Texas did a horrible job of that last year. Um, and it was, you know, it, it's just a pendulum swing in that stadium. And I agree with John also that I will, I think OU gets, the fans get geared up for this game more than Texas fans, um, honestly. Yep. But um, all that said, I think we can, you know, this is, OU is wearing the same jersey this year, but this is not the same team as years prior. And I think every Texas fan gets nervous heading into this game. But at the end of the day, I just think the talent and the matchups favor Texas in this one. I have this one um, right now. I have this one going 41-28 in Texas's favor. And I think Texas get, creates a few turnovers, finally breaks the uh, breaks the dam on that end and gets a few uh, sacks and finally gets to the quarterback this week. So, um, that would be a really nice way to uh, kind of start off conference play with, you know, two back-to-back wins and after the tech loss. So, yeah. Stu, Stu, before you go, to Lurkin, the it's kind of, I know, ironic to say after what happened last year, but how important do you feel like a, a quick start is for us this year in this game compared to, to other games? We had, don't compare it to other OU games, but comparing it to other 
uh, games we've played this year, how important do you see a, a quick start? Is? Do you think we can bounce back if we go down on this thing? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I've been to every Texas OU game since 2004. Um, and, and You have me beat. And, and, uh, Stop, no, no. I'm 2010. I had to bring, I had to bring the uh, leverage this week, but anyway, uh, <laughs> and I always tell my dad, uh, me and him went to the games growing up and I always said to him, all I need to see is how Texas plays on its opening drive. That will tell me everything I need to know. And yeah. that means, and uh, I think it's pivotal in this game to start with, you know, a lot of force and, and especially grab points early. Um, do I think that if Texas goes down, you know, say on an early touchdown, you know, that they can bounce back, certainly. Like I said, I think they're the better team, and ultimately over 60 minutes that will shake out. And, you know, my – but I just think it's pivotal to start off, uh, you know, with points early and get uh, an early drive, you know, with some success. I mean, I'm just thinking of moments in my head right now, and even in 2008 where Texas went down 14-3, they still scored on their opening drive against yep. you that year. Um, and so, you know – I think, yes, they're going to be able to come back if if Texas falls behind, but I think you have to watch the first couple of drives, and that'll tell you all you need to know. Yeah, going to, back to Larkin's point on, you know, across the board, units, offensive, defense, you really do feel like Texas has the advantage at most, even with card. Um, I'll uh, stay with the, the near and dear to my heart. When was the last time that the Texas O-line and D-line – were arguably, if not definitively, better than OU. I mean, 2005. Yeah. Yeah. I will – like, there's not one other – there's not been one game where we've had a better offensive line, defensive line. Even during even, Colts, even Colts then, time, no. That, that D-line for those early OU teams was freaking filthy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I that's going to be the difference for me right there. And uh, Larkin, you mentioned the sacks. I, I, I think this is a big day. For the D line and uh, blitzing off the edge with uh, Demo, hopefully we can get a big strip sack from him, or you know maybe a corner. Let Ryan Watts get some redemption points. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Horns too. I think it'll be a little closer um, than y'all. I think there's definitely the crazy play aspect that we've always seen, some special teams, something or other. This this screams a little bit more of a dogfight to me. Um, I think OU's offense. Still has a few punches left in them. I'll say horns 45, 40-ish. Somewhere, you know, I think it's probably within the with the number of seven, which, you know, it it, it doesn't feel like it, and that's why it's going to happen. It, we know how this game rolls out. It, whatever way you're thinking, it's not going to go. So let's hope that we're all right on our predictions, but maybe we're all wrong Um no, let's just hope we're all right. How about that? All right. As much as, much as I hate to say this, because I know it's going to make Stewart super happy, I feel like the most important group on the field for us is the offensive line this week. If they're able to give Bijan the space to let him run for 150-plus that we all hope that he can get to and, and finally win that time of possession that we've been trying to do, I think there's no way Oklahoma wins this game unless we just turn the ball over a lot. But if you can control – the field and control the line with the offensive line and Bijan has 150. There's just, there's, there should be no reason why we don't win the time possession and, and win this game. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Larkin, we do this kind of every year, just bullshit. Favorite Texas OU memories. If you've got, you know, anything, bus ride down at the game, 
puking off the Ferris wheel. I don't care what it watching ceiling, you know, eat three corn dogs in 30 seconds or something like that. If you have uh, <laughs> any favorite, favorite memories, now is your, now is your time. Yeah, no, I mean, all those, you know, all those memories come to mind um, and hard to beat a bus right up to Dallas and that an anticipation starts to build on a Thursday night. It's uh, I remember just not being able to sleep when you're getting ready for those bus rides up to Dallas on that Friday. Mm, um, so true. So true. It's, it's truly just getting the jitters. It's an amazing weekend um jealous of those who get to make the trek this year um a lot of my best memories come from inside the stadium itself i have to say you know i'll go with this is going to be an unpopular opinion but i truly don't know if a texas football moment has made me happier in person at a stadium than xavier worthy taking that uh touchdown to the house on the first play that wow that um that i that was unbelievable, but um, if I'm going to go with a play that actually, you know, changed the tide to a horns win, I'll go with the Shipley. 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 Saw that. Saw that one coming. Yeah, I, that first quarter last last season, obviously the result didn't, but the, that first quarter was probably the most fun quarter I think I've ever had watching a football game in person. Yeah. So, I mean, we all know it, but it's got to be said. I think it's it's a top three. Uh, college football environment on an annual basis. Um, there's plenty of people in Houston radio predominantly is Aggie radio. It's not UT radio, but um, there was a guy who wasn't, I think it was an LSU guy and he was on the other morning and uh, he, he actually said that he went to the game last year and actually, no, he was a Georgia guy, but he, he said that he knew what Texas OU was like. He'd heard about it. But it, it obviously with the, the quality of the game, it helped, but it exceeded expectations. And it was just a, it gave him goosebumps just being in that type of environment because it's so unique having the split stadium, the old, old, you know, perfectly perfect bowl that is. Um, but I'll be honest, I, every time the OU band comes on the field or our band comes on the field, I still get goosebumps too. I think it's the best sports environment that we all are lucky enough to get to go to. Um, and I don't think it's fair to try to boil it down to one great memory, Stu, because it's, it's just that good. No, it's impossible. I think one that uh, easily comes to mind is uh, 2013, John and I are sitting in the stands, probably the only one of our friends that are already at the game. And we're somehow driving, Face McCoy somehow is actually playing okay. And uh, we're probably on like the 50 or so. And John looks at me and goes, this would be a great time for a wheel route touchdown to Marcus Johnson. And I think as he said that, the ball snapped. And the next play is a wheel route to Marcus Johnson. That's probably one of my favorites inside the actual stadium, outside the stadium. God, I don't know. See me at Old Middle End and I'll tell you. I don't know. There's, <laughs> there's, there's too many. See, yelling at Mark Stoops after he lost in 2015 at Old Middle End is definitely one of – those are those are top ones because I think it was a combination of people booing him as well as Texas fans saying no stop don't boo him we need him we need him to stay um yeah there's just there's just too many and it's a every other year it's the best weekend of the year but it's it's a pretty great weekend of the year how many Um, how many corn dogs this weekend I'll set the over under at two and a half I think that's fair what yeah that's a week that pregame or yeah that's weak oh full get full day i did three last year that's still weak that three is how many you didn't how many did you have last year like five bullshit i I had three before the game and i think (laughs) i had two for dinner that is not true fletcher's real og none of that fake bullshit yes so what happens when you get there at 
whatever time we get there. Way too early. Um, all right. Larkin, any final parting OU thoughts before we get in games of the week? No, guys, I'm I'm just beyond stoked. I'm I mean, this like John said, best weekend, best college football environment as far as I'm concerned. And I've been privileged to attend a lot of college football games in my life, and nothing is like it. Honestly, I'm excited. It is crazy how neither team is ranked. <laughs> both have, have two losses and both have kind of really disappointed their fan bases. And this game still just gets both sides way too jazzed up. Um, I got a quick question before you go games of the week. Go ahead. Is this a must win for Sark? Not, not like firing must win, but for just his, for fan confidence and uh, is this a must win for him? I say no. Larkin? I say no, but okay. I do think questions do start percolating. If you know, I think it would be a massive blow, especially considering we're favorites by you know at least a score or at least a touchdown right now. Oh, I must will win, say, must. and, and it's a no, but a win goes a lot farther than a loss. Oh, oh wow, nice. That was no. Uh, that's not that crazy to say <laughs> from a fan sentiment perspective. <laughs> Nice. That was, that was a great statement. Now, don't answer it's, the question, but just say it in a different way. <laughs> that's not. That's not true. Okay. You're not. It's you're not understanding answer. what I'm saying. That's a great media answer right there. I like that. If you win this game, the confidence meter from a fan perspective goes way up. the The movement, the acceleration, goes way up compared to a loss in the deceleration. Hmm. I would nor. I agree with that, but I do. Texas is recruiting at such a high level right now, especially on the national Thank you. In, in the national scene right now. They're trying to open doors in the southeast, and I think a three and three start. I mean, you're not going to lose Arch Manning, but I think guys like Malik Muhammad and Derek Williams start to waver in that situation. But that's a good um, point. I wouldn't think about recruiting. But yeah, but you know, that said, I think you know a wins a wins going to be huge this week. So let's hope it gets done. All right, second, games, second coaches. game of the week, games of the week. First off, Tennessee at LSU, 11 a.m. on ESPN. LSU is plus three. LSU is coming off a crazy game against Auburn and the most Auburn thing of all time where they went up 17-0 and then the LSU scored 21 unanswered. Uh, Brian Harson's on the hottest of hot seats of the Power 5 co- coaches, right? Well, I guess uh, Paul Kirst and Scott Frost's seat is no longer there, but you know <laughs> what I mean. The next – Head to fall. Um, I don't know what his contract situation is, but knowing Auburn, it's probably over thirty million. Tennessee is quietly becoming one of the better teams in the SEC. Hinton Hooker is has legitimate Heisman potential, and Heupel's got that offense freaking rolling. I think the over unders at like sixty three. Um, Larkin, you like a side on this? The plus three with LSU. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would stay away from this with my own money, but um, you know, LSU is such a tough place to play. I think they keep it close. Uh, but I'm a Tennessee believer this year. I think Hooker's amazing. I think I really am a Josh. Uh, I'm a hypo, you know, believer as well. So uh, I'll have the balls to win and probably to cover maybe late with a you know field goal or something to win by six or something. Yeah, I agree. The end Baton Rouge is kind of a tough play, but 11 a.m. They all they have like one 11 a.m. game, like actual conference game, maybe like maybe a year. That that stadium's going to be asleep. Give me, yeah, give me the volunteers. Um, TCU at Kansas, 11 a.m. Kansas plus seven, getting game day for the game first day. time ever. Game day in Lawrence, Kansas. Not, not game. basketball. 
can't believe they're going, but pretty cool, I guess. Um, Jalen Daniels looking like the real deal at quarterback. Lance Leipold is going to be getting a lot of looks this year, this season, um, probably from Wisconsin, definitely from Nebraska. Uh, who knows where else? I, can TCU keep this offensive pace up? I, I don't know. I, they aren't playing OU defense this week, but not to say that that's a good thing or bad thing. I really don't know what Kansas has. John, you think uh, the Horn, Horn Frogs keep it going? You know, it's going to be a pretty – I think it's like the first sellout they've had. Or maybe that was last week. I can't remember. But they've, this is going to be a big game for them. It'll be interesting to see if how this this team reacts to all the attention uh, with game day and, and whatnot. But 11 a.m. in Kansas and Man- or Lawrence and Manhattan, we both know, are very, very hard because you stay far away. you got to get up super early. I like Kansas to go up early, but I think TCU makes the comeback and wins the game. Larkin? Um, I like, you know, I think the Cinderella story has been nice for Kansas, but I think TCU wins this game. Um, I love Lance Leipold. I think he's, you know, the guy's just a bona fide winner wherever he's been. Uh, done it at three, you know, uniquely challenging spots too. Um, but I think TCU overall has a great talent, really just big talent advantage, honestly. And I think the offense is pretty good. I think people are starting to figure out the Kansas offense too. Uh, so give me TCU. Uh, that said, I do want to, you know, for those listening, there's an awesome story in the LA times about how Jalen Daniels ended up at uh, Kansas. I implore everyone to read it. It's uh, super interesting. Yeah. I like TCU as well. I think this is kind of like one of those games there. It's like, it's Quentin Johnson. And then it's the Kansas defense. Like, yeah, give me, give me, Give me Quentin Johnson. Um, this is a very rough schedule ahead, so I feel like this could be the beginning of the end for him. Yeah, true. A&M at Alabama, 7 o'clock on CBS, not the 2.30 CBS. Uh, Alabama is minus 24, and that is with question marks at Bryce Young playing. I'm going to guess that he doesn't, but who knows? Milrow came in last week, former Texas commit. He is very fast. Uh, if you don't think Saban's been thinking about what Jimbo said, all summer and leading up to this game, you were absolutely out of your damn mind. And this Bamba defense has really started to turn it on, especially uh, Dallas Turner, Will Anderson, and then the very senior-laden uh, defensive backs. I, I know their offense maybe isn't what everyone thinks it's going to be or ha- could have been, and without Bryce especially, but I – don't see AM's offense really doing anything against this Bama defense. I don't even know who's starting. I don't even think it really matters. Um, AM coworkers are just all over the place and saying all this crazy shit. They're going to hire an offensive coordinator, whatever. Who freaking knows? I don't see AM getting close to sniffing this 24. Larkin? No, I mean, I'm reluctant to take that big of a spread. I feel like AM always you know, has has a good enough defense to keep it close. Um, I think AM under Jimbo Fisher has done a great job of keeping, you know, competitive in these big games. So it's an awfully big number to, you know, to not cover. Uh, but I don't think this is going to be a situation where it's going to, even if the score is, you know, within 17 points, it's going to feel a lot, you know, <laughs> a lot wider of a gap than it truly was on the field. Um, just that offense is just, putrid and horrible to watch uh is, is bryce young playing they haven't said but i'm gonna guess no so milrow is our quarterback correct 
Yeah, I agree with Larkin. I think 24 points is too many, but uh, it would be classic Saban to go win like 52 to seven because of the offseason drama. <laughs> I I saw today um, that somebody called in to find or like an AM caller uh, called in to find bomb. And uh, what did they say? Hold on. I got to find this. this is, A&M fan just told Feinbaum, quote, a hitman is a lot cheaper than $95 million. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> that's the second craziest thing to happen, I guess, on that show after Harvey or after uh, Updike called in and RIP. We, straight up <laughs> admitted to committing a crime on, on national television. If you, if you had, we had a, one of a good friend of ours who's Bama fan who on for Bama week. And uh, he, I didn't realize that Harvey had uh, passed on to uh, greener pastures during COVID. And uh, if you would have told us at the beginning of the season, we were going to bring up Harvey Updike in two separate episodes. <laughs> I would have <laughs> bet the under on that one. Um, all right. Last game, biggest game of the, of the week, easily Midwestern state at Texas, West Texas A&M. John, how did our boys look last week? We lost last week. What the fuck? Yeah, we lost. We lost to Western New Mexico uh, in overtime, unfortunately. It was a tough travel day over to Silver City, New Mexico. We stopped at a Denny's in uh, Albuquerque, I believe. They said it wasn't very good. So we, uh, we're back home playing West Texas A&M at home, which is good. Apparently, playing at West Texas A&M can be a pretty loud environment. So I need to get a win to have a chance at the conference. Uh, but offense hasn't looked too good um in these in these uh conference games so larkin if you can name the midwestern state university mascot i will buy you a corn dog if you're not at the game then i'll buy you something else <laughs> what are, i mean i'm gonna go with the jackalopes i mean i who, who the hell that's, that a, that's, that's a good one. guess midwestern state mustangs they are Dude. a uh ah, damn what 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 i don't even know what level Dude, i don't know man they play football against small schools. I have a friend who coaches there, Larkin, so they're our special team that we follow. Well, we got free gear from them finally, so we're really enticed to enticed now. Dylan Sturry Cole needs to get his shit together. 15 of 32 for 115 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That's terrible. Hey, in all seriousness, Larkin, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate the insight. Uh, really love the Friday reads that you send out. You're doing a great job. and look forward to that thing growing over the years. Yeah, thanks, boys. I really enjoyed it, and uh, enjoy it. It's Christmas time, like I said earlier. Let's have a weekend. Merry Christmas, Larkin. We appreciate it. I'll throw your email for those still listening up in the episode description. What, should they just email you if they want to get added to the to the list? Yeah, feel free to shoot me an email, um, you know, and I'll add you to it. And we're growing daily, so feel free to hop aboard. That's How long awesome. does it take you to do that? You know, it's it's uh it's been a lot of late nights. I won't lie. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's it's been fun watching the reaction from people. So you know, we're gonna keep a lot. Hey, winning winning cures a lot of things, including okay. your, your narrative. So let's go win some football games. That's right. Damn right. All right. Thanks for joining, Larkin. Thanks everybody for listening. We will see you at the fair. All right. Hug them. They get their players from the Lone Star State, and none of them boys will graduate. School down in Holston called UT. We'll see you, Okies, at the rivalry. Drive down to Dallas and park your car. We'll be tailgating hard. Drinking Rebel Yell and Cold Lone Star. Eating barbecue in Gaming Yard. Hey, hey, fuck all you. They hate us and we hate them too. Now tell me what the hell is an Okie gonna do? Hey, hey, 
smoke. 